when Brother Scott Crosby was here, he had talked about finishing well. And it was comparing uh, Saul's life, King Saul, how he started off well but then finished well. And then at, toward the end of his message, which he didn't have much time for, he talked about Saul, who was later to be Paul in the New Testament, started out bad but finished well. He started out against Christians but finished well. Then last week I done a message, uh, and it was about Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman. That, well, that Nicodemus represented the elite of the elite, a very religious man, a teacher, things, and the Samaritan woman wasn't, didn't even have her name. It was just a Samaritan woman. Uh, so, and the Samaritans represented the lowest of the lows. They were rejected by uh, the Israelites as, as a, a low class of people, but Jesus went to both of them and shared that they both needed him, both needed a relationship with him. And so as I'm kind of thinking on those things, what we're going to see today as we're going through is that we need to place our hope in Jesus in every situation. And I'm going to show you uh, through Scripture today of a home that was without Jesus, then how much it changed once Jesus came in the scene. And so it's like without Jesus, then what Je with Jesus. So uh, <clears throat> let's just get started here this morning. I want to read from Psalms chapter 62, verses 5 through 8. It says this, find rest, O my what? Soul. In where? God alone. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. Nowhere else will bring you comfort like the Lord. And I always said this, you know, when God created man, he created Adam first before he created Eve and established a relationship with Adam, meaning that God says, I need to be top priority in your life. And guess what? Adam didn't even ask for Eve. Adam was perfectly content in his relationship with God because God's the only one that will never fail you and never let you down. And as long as that's why he's saying find rest in him alone because people and things will... Uh, give you trials in life, but he says, find rest, oh my what? Soul. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. He's talking about your everyday life here. Look, this world isn't, isn't going to be, isn't perfect, and things in this world will want to shake your, your life and rock your boat. But he says this, he says, find rest, oh my soul, my hope, circle the word hope, my hope comes from him. Now, what is hope? Hope is a general feeling and desire that uh, something will be fulfilled. Uh, it means to trust, to wait and trust, and to be patient. It's an, um, but it's dealing with our soul. It, it's, our, it's telling our soul. He says, uh, again, he's saying, find rest on my soul. My hope comes from him. It's meaning that I, I know God could do something. Hope is, deals with our natural man. Our soul, as belief deals with our soul, faith deals with our spirit, and it's a spiritual thing. Okay, that, this is what we need to understand. My, my hope in something is that I'm believing for the best to happen. Faith means I'm guaranteed. Hope and belief meanings, means, I like to put it this way, we know God can do it. I put my hope in him because I know he can, but I'm not quite sure if he will yet. When you go into faith, faith means I know he can and I know he will or I know he's already did. 
So let's put it this way. When, so we talk about salvation as putting our faith in Jesus Christ, not our hope in Jesus Christ. Because I could ask you this question. Have you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins? And a person says, yes, I have faith in that. Or a person would say, I hope. You see the difference? Um, one is certain it happened, and they are saved. But if I just have hope, it means I'm not sure. I want to believe that. I want to believe God's going to move in a situation, but I'm not sure. But, but that's part of our natural man is to put hope into it. So let uh, Brother Kevin, or uh, whoever's Darren, put up Hebrews 11.1. 1. I added this this morning to show you a little bit about this. It says, now faith is being what? Sure of what we hope for. Being sure of what we hope. See, hoping isn't being sure. Hoping is you hoping. You believe God can. He says, uh, faith is being sure of what we hope for, and faith is being certain of what we do not see yet. See, that's faith. That is in the spirit. But in the natural here in our soul, how many of you know sometimes you're praying for something and you're not sure if God's going to do it? You know he can, right? We know God can do all things, but our question is, will he? So my hope is that he will. But when it goes into the faith, it's already certain. Just like I am certain beyond the, any reasonable doubt that Jesus Christ died for my sins. I don't hope he did. I know he did. It's just something in your spirit that God does, and it becomes faith. So let, let's get back to uh, Psalm 62. He says, he alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. And it says, I will not be shaken. How many of you know that many things in this life is going to come that's going to want to shake you? And if I keep my eye on that and on the situations, I will be shaken. But he says, I, if I just trust in God alone, and put it in there, no matter what comes my way, I'm going to be eternally th thinking and not just earthly thinking. And I will find peace, rest, and joy in Him. And I will be unshaken. He says, my salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge, my safe place. It says, trust in Him. Now notice what it says, at all times. It's easy to trust in God when everything's going good, when everything's falling into place how you want it to fall into place. But as soon as a stick gets in the spokes of the wheel of the bicycle, sometimes it gets hard to trust in him. But it says, trust in him at, in all times, good, the good, bad, and the ugly. And it says, oh, people, pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. So when we're talking about this, our hope, having hope, I want to show you something again well, you may be wondering when we, uh, why they got this door on the screen when we're talking about hope. In, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 says this. Jesus says, here I am. Uh, I stand at the door and knock. Notice he doesn't say I'm opening the door. He says I'm standing at the door and knocking. If anyone... Now, Hears my voice and opens the door. I want you to circle the word and. Right there. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door. There's two things going on here. He says, I will come in and eat with him. 
If you open the door, I will come in and eat with him. But anyone that hears my voice, you can, in other words, he's telling you, you can hear his voice, but still not open the door. And when you open the door, it's talking about having fellowship with him. And I'm not just, we're going to take this beyond salvation today. And I want you to know that every day we are supposed to take up our cross and let God be in every part of our life. But there's sometimes we're going through things in life that sometimes we, hate to say it, we still want to be in control. And we're having a conversation with Jesus, but we're having it through the door. Uh, as you get uh, been married longer, you realize that sometimes you start having more conversations when you're in different rooms of the house. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you, you used to always talk face to face, but now it's screaming from the other side of the house because you, you don't feel like getting up and going over there. But we can have a conversation. We hear the voice. He says, here I stand and knock at the door. If anyone hears my voice, so you're hearing the voice before you open the door. I can have a conversation through the door with him. And I, I said this many years ago, you know, sometimes when we pray for things, we say that God, we want God's will to be done, but we've already decided God's will, we, we think God's will is, and we're not open to it. We're, we're standing there, God, we're praying and we're talking to Jesus through the door. We haven't really let him come into the situation because I know the situation and I know how I want it to end. I said a long time ago, many years ago, when I wanted a road bike, a, a motorcycle, and my wife always said no. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm going to pray about it, and if it's, if it's God's will, right, you got to put up those. He'll let it happen, and if God doesn't want it to happen, he will stop it. But let me tell you something, my mind was already made up about that motorcycle. My will was already made up, and, I, and I'm talking to Jesus through the door. Oh, Jesus, your will be done, but don't. You see, I told him this before. I said, you know what? I'm praying, God, if it's your will, let it happen. If it's not, then stop it from happening. And I said, you know what? I believed if somebody would have dropped a bomb on the Suzuki plant in Japan, you know what I would have said? All oh, that devil's fighting. <laughs> right? Right? All oh, that devil's trying to stop it. That I'm not, because I'm, I'm not letting him in the situation because I don't want him to change my heart. I already know what I want, and this is the way I want it. And I'm going to talk to you through that door, but I'm not letting you in the situation because I want to control the situation. <laughs> and that's what I said. No matter what would have happened, if something would have tried to stop me from having that motorbike, it's that old devil. And I never, I never would have realized that it, maybe it was God at the time. And uh, to tell you how the story went one day, I kept begging my wife. And one day she was half asleep. <laughs> In the morning she said, go get your bike. And I quietly left the house. I didn't want her to wake up and change her mind. And <laughs> I shot off the home and went by it. <laughs> so, but I need to realize that I need to allow Christ in. I need to open the door and allow him to move and say, you can change my heart. You can change whatever situation. You need to come in and thy will be done means thy will be done. 
that it's not my preconceived. Because nothing he would, <laughs> I wasn't letting him take away my motorcycle. I knew what I wanted. So let's, let's continue here real quick. Somebody stole my time up there. Luke, uh, Luke 8, uh, 5, 50 through 51. And this is in the middle of the story that we're going to be talking about here. Uh, this is Jairus. Uh, he, he, and we'll read this in a second. A, a ruler, he comes over and he falls at Jesus' feet and he says, my teenage daughter is dying. Would you come pray for her? Will you come to my house and pray for her? And, Jesus, and right here where we're getting to the point is that Jesus got detained with doing something else and what happened was his daughter died and the people came and said, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter's dead. In other words, a hopeless situation. Give up. Don't, don't worry about it. But Jesus said this to him. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be what? Afraid. Just believe. And she will be healed. He told him, just believe, begin to have hope. And he says, you will see her healed and it will change into faith. She will be healed. Not that she might be healed. She will be healed. And then verse 51, the very beginning says, when Jesus arrived at the house. And that's what we're going to kind of talk about a little later as we get through this is how, what was the situation at the house before Jesus got there? Then what was the situation after Jesus knocked and walked in the house? Watch how much it changed. Amen. So let's get ready. I'm going to take a sip of water here and we're going to go 90 miles an hour. But I'm already telling you, we're going to go past 11, so that's all right. Amen. You ready for that? So if you had a snack, eat it. <laughs> it says, <clears throat> now Jesus is coming back from doing work. Uh, Luke, chapter 80, cha Luke chapter 8, verse 40 through 56 says, Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him. Okay, he came, for they were all expecting him. So a big gathering comes around there, welcoming him back to their area. And it says, then a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came, fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a little girl about 12, was dying. Now notice something here. He didn't say, come to my house and I know my daughter will be healed. See, he didn't have faith yet, knowing, being certain what was going to happen. He had a hope. His mind, will, and emotions, he says, I'm hoping that if you come, something will happen. I want it to happen. That's why I'm here asking you to come to my home. And again, this is dealing with the death of a little girl, but I want you to put in any situation you're going through that is, is inviting Christ in your life, in, in the areas of our life. And, it's, and again, what is so important about this, and when you realize this, is that if God could bring a dead child to life, isn't what you're going through much more easy? He's saying a death isn't even beyond me. Verse 43. So, again, Jesus was there uh, to celebrate, and guess what happens? Brother Jared mentioned this in the revival the other night. Jesus got interrupted. I want you to understand that a lot of times in life, people will interrupt your life in a crisis situation. 
And instead of getting upset that you're being interrupted, realize that it's a God moment in their life. That they're so down in such a situation that they need the presence of Christ in their life. And God's given you that opportunity to step in and let his light shine through you. So they're there celebrating Jesus and Jairus fell at his feet in verse 43 says, oh wait, verse 42, because his only daughter was about 12 and dying, as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. So many people. And again, so he's interrupted by Jairus. Then it says, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. And again, I've already taught on this part of it here where uh, with the blood thing, she was, that woman was ceremonially unclean. She was not supposed to be there. She was supposed to be out uh, there because anything she touched then became ceremonially unclean. And she was taking her chance, her life in her own hand by showing up in that town because it says that, that she was rubbing shoulders and all those people there would have been, hey, now I'm ceremonially unclean because you touched me. And besides touching people in the crowd, she touched the Messiah. So notice what it goes on to say. He says, she, uh, and a woman was there who had been subject to a bleeding, uh, bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Now, but when she touched him, she was still bleeding. She was still ceremonially unclean. All right? So it says this. Jesus says, who touched me? Jesus asked. And I, I could just see that poor little woman busted. I'm in trouble. Now, they're going to stone me because I'm not supposed to be here. But she had a faith. She had a faith that if she only could touch his garment, she would be healed. And it says this, she came up behind him and touched the edge. And he said, who touched me? When, when Jesus asked, uh, when they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. And he said, like, how can we know who this was? But Jesus says, no, it wasn't a regular touch. It was a touch of faith. He said, someone touched me. And he says, I know that power has gone out from me. You see, Jesus didn't have to turn around and pray for her. She just knew that if she could touch him, she'd be healed. She was certain of it. it was, she wasn't hoping it would happen. She had faith that it would happen. That's why she risked her life to be put in that situation. And I'm not supposed to be talking on this long. Let, let me get going here. Uh, verse 45, who touched me? Verse 47. Then the woman, seeing that she couldn't go unnoticed, came up trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, now notice this, in the presence of all the people, she admitted why she done it in front of everyone. It wasn't, well, well Jesus, can I talk to you? Because what I've done was ceremonially unclean and, and all these things. He, she told them why she had touched him and, <clears throat> and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, notice this, daughter. Daughter means fellowship. See, before she was a bleeding woman considered an outcast. But her faith of touching him brought her into his family. And he calls her daughter. Your faith has healed you. And he told her, now go in peace. 
How many of you know the furthest thing she had in life that day was peace? It was total chaos. It says this, while Jesus was still speaking, and this is where we, we pick up on Jairus' story, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, and said, your daughter is dead. And I'll stop there for a second. On your paper, you're going to see that I put down on the bottom five numbers before Jesus came to the house and after Jesus came to the house. And I'm going to tell you with the writing there, there it's not in the computer, Darren, so don't uh, try and find it. You won't find it there. And I want you to write what I say, but it could also be what you're going through right now. God may reveal something to you that you're going to see. <clears throat> so before Jesus went, in the, went to the house, and this is where it actually starts. He says, your daughter is dead. So number one, under before Jesus got there, I want you to realize death ruled. Death and darkness ruled. Death came to that area. He says, so before, before Christ came in, death ruled. Destruction, darkness. Then he said, they said, don't bother the teacher anymore. Second thing before Jesus showed up, was it became hopeless. Don't, in other words, he's saying, don't even bother bringing the teacher. It's hopeless. It's useless. We're giving up. See, before Jesus is invited into the house, death rules. Before you invited Jesus into your heart, death ruled. You're in a hopeless, helpless situation. That's how you feel about life. Then it says this, verse 50, hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, do not be afraid. So once Jesus, we're, we're saying that this is kind of when Jesus is on the scene. So number one, on, when Jesus uh, gets to the house, we, we, first thing we see is peace. Do not be afraid. Have peace. And this is still number one. Just believe. Again, in the natural, have hope. And then he says, if you believe, she what? Will be healed, which is faith. She will be healed. Just believe, put your hope in the natural, line it up, line up my natural with God's supernatural, and he could work. So before Christ showed up on the scene, before Jesus, well, let's put it this way, before Jesus was in the house, how many of you need Jesus in the house? Amen. In every situation in our life, before there, we see death, death rules. It's hopeless. But when Jesus comes on the scene, he brings faith, uh, peace, hope, and faith. Verse 51, when Jesus arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's mother and father. Now, the mother and father had hope. They did not have faith. They were hoping Jesus could do something. But remember, he didn't say, come to me and touch her and she will be healed. And realizing at this time, he had got the message that she was already dead. So what does Jesus do in this moment? The second thing under once Jesus shows up, he removes the negative spirits. He removes the naysayers. He removes the doubters. He says, guys, you guys have faith. You, Mom and dad, you have hope. Y'all come with me. 
I'm going to surround this house with this. But all you naysayers need to go. I need to get that out. And so that's our second part, what we're going to see. Uh, our, our, our third part in, uh, before Jesus gets to the house. It says, meanwhile, verse 52, meanwhile, all the people, notice it says, all the people were what? Wailing and mourning for her. So before Jesus got to the house, there's number three is sadness and despair. There's sadness and despair. They're wailing. They're crying. But notice what Jesus says. He tells them, stop wailing. Jesus said, she is not dead. But notice verse 53. They laughed at him. They laughed at him. Because he said, she's not dead. Okay? He says, she is not dead, but asleep. But in reality, she was physically dead. But Jesus was letting them know, even death itself is not beyond my father's miracle working power. So number four, on the before Jesus gets to the house, the house is filled with ridicule, mocking of God, and unbelief. They laughed at him. Ridicule, mocking of God, making fun, doubting his authority, doubting his power. And, and let's stay with verse 53. It says, they laughed at him, and then look the next part. Knowing that she was dead, no, and which is number five before Jesus gets there, is it produces, when Jesus isn't in the house, it produces false reports. It produces false reports, knowing that she was dead. And Jesus had said, she's not dead, but asleep. And this is what I want you to realize. We live by faith and not by sight. And what happens in our, th in our life is we see things through the natural, and we begin to believe them. We begin to believe things can't be changed. We begin to believe all this stuff that isn't true. You see what, what I'm talking about? We see through the natural, and we forgot that God forgives. We forgot that God heals. We forget that God does all this because we don't see it yet. And we end up giving up hope, and then we'll never have the faith for it. They laughed at him knowing they were positive. They knew what they were talking about, that she was dead. <coughs> They believed the wrong thing. You hear me? A false report. They believed the wrong thing because what they were seeing in their eyes wasn't what was real. They had their mind already made up. She's dead. It's hopeless. Verse 54. But he took her by the hand. And said, my child, get up. So once Jesus gets to the house, number three is we see spiritual authority taking place. Remember, they said, 
they were all the naysayers, sadness and despair. They were wailing and crying and making fun of him when he said she wasn't asleep. And it produced false reports. But Jesus says, get up. He spoke authority. And guess what? All the demons and negative things had to flee. He says, get up. And notice verse 55. Her spirit returned to her, and at once she stood up. Number four, when Jesus shows up on the scene, circumstances reversed. Her spirit returned to her. He spoke, get up, and her spirit returned. Now, I don't know what you're going through right now in life, but this was a big thing they were going through. And this is what I want you to understand. If God could do it through this, through the death of this little teenage girl, just think what he could do in the situations you're going through. But we have to have Jesus in our house. We have to have Jesus in the situation. We can't have him on the other side of the door. We have to open the door and turn everything over to him. Her spirit returned and at once she stood up. And notice this. Jesus, then Jesus told them, give her something to eat. I want you to say right now, thank you, Jesus. See, because he was showing you something right there. He's saying, Sister Hazel, in 2018, I'm going to show you something right here. Why did he say give her something to eat? Because he's trying to let you know she wasn't on life support. She wasn't brought back and barely breathing. She wasn't brought back and had to be, uh, you know, <laughs> somebody doing CPR on her. He's saying she's brought back and completely healed and hunger comes when you're healthy. He says, get her something to eat. She is completely healed. She is not partly healed, not in a thing. She is fully healed. Get up and get her something to eat. Now notice this, as the worship team starts making their way back up here. Look at her parents. Remember, he took everybody else out except the mother and father, and he left uh, Peter, uh, John, and James. But the parents were there, and the parents had what in the beginning? Hope that Jesus could do something. They believed, they, they believed Jesus could do something. They didn't know if he was going to do anything. But their hope was that something will. We're putting our hope and belief. Because if they didn't believe he could do anything, believe me, him as a ruler would have never went fall at Jesus' feet. But they didn't know if he would do something for sure, because that's why he didn't say, well, if you would only touch her, she would be healed. Her parents were both, what, astonished. Number five, on when Jesus shows up. Astonished. You know, what, know how those parents felt after? We can believe the unbelievable. I could believe the unbelievable. I've seen, and their belief and hope turned into faith in Jesus Christ. They were astonished. You see, they believed they could, he, could, he could heal her, but they didn't know if she, he would. And they became astonished, having faith. So let me go over these five things again on both sides. 
Before Jesus comes in the house, death rules, darkness, destruction. Second thing, before Jesus enters the house, it is a hopeless situation that people are ready to give up. The third thing is their sadness and despair. The fourth thing is there's ridicule, mocking of God and unbelief. The fifth thing was it produced false reports. But once Jesus came on the scene, once the door was open, peace came in, hope came in, faith came in. He removed all the negative spirits, all the naysayers, all the wrong beliefs. He spoke spiritual, spiritual authority into the situation. Number four is he reversed the circumstances. And number five, faith came in where we could believe the unbelievable. I don't know what you're going through today. Pastor Allen, Brother Jared, and Sister Matilda, if you come up here, we just want you to be obedient to the Lord and He's knocking today. Is there a situation in your life that maybe you haven't let him in yet? And we want to anoint you with all and agree with you. For the, we want to believe with you for the unbelievable. It may be a situation that seems that no way out. But when you let Jesus in the house, he could reverse the situation. He can reverse the situation. If everyone would just stand to your feet. And those that need prayer, I want you just to make your way to the front right now. Believe the unbelievable.